Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. Anna Vuccino, my friend and guest co-host, is back, and we're going to be talking about overwhelm and perseverance and then a whole bunch of other stuff, what it's really like in Hollywood. So stay tuned for this really fun conversation. I know you guys have missed her, and I'm really happy to have her back. So I will circle back after the conversation. Take care. Anna Vocino. Hello and welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me. You know, so I was looking up stuff before the show and it was March 6, 2015 that we started this guest co-hosting thing with you and I. Well, you know what we should have done? We should have like set like, did we say anything specific? Like, like future predictions or goals? <laughs> I, I don't think so. I think that would be way. We talked about slasher careers back then. That was the topic of that show. Oh, yeah. Well, every time you say slasher careers, I think of slasher movies. <laughs> and I have to go, oh, no, that's not what she means. <laughs> that is not what she means. She doesn't mean violent. No. Generally misogynistic, racist horror films. No, no, I don't. No. I don't do horror films. Um, I do, but I, it's generally because my husband wants a horror film watching Buddy, and I, I I realize I can't go into the theater like when they in two thousand when they re released and remastered The Exorcist. Um, seeing that in a giant dark theater was horrific, <laughs> and I was just angry when I left. So I realized if I sit at home, then I can kind of like putz around the house a little bit while kind of watching the movie. Mm-hmm. And and so I've watched it. I'm using air quotes right now. I've watched the movie without having to actually like sit through it and be uncomfortable. You're a good wife. <laughs> Am I? <laughs> yes, because I won't oh. do that. You won't even pretend to no. watch, some, watch the movie. <laughs> no. Nope. Nope. Horror films are off my list. They they create too yeah. many problems in my brain. Yeah. So. I can I can watch some violent stuff, but yeah, not horror films. But that's okay. Like that's why we live in America because we get to all make choices, right? For ourselves. Yeah. We do. Yeah. America. There you go. Yeah. So what's new with you? What's happening? Well, <laughs> this cookbook <laughs> <laughs> that I was talking about a year ago, it's done. Yay! Uh, it's, it's come back from the editor. We've settled on some cover art, and as soon as we're like for sure, for sure. I'm gonna, it's gonna be, it's gonna be up on Amazon for pre-sale. But we are basically uh, the edits came back from the editor, and so I'm now I'm going over those with a fine tooth comb to make sure uh, that's what I want. Like for instance, the editor had a good idea. Uh, some some cookbooks will write out the word tablespoon. Some cookbooks will abbreviate it TBSP. Mm-hmm. Um. Or TBLS. I don't know. I don't know how you abbreviate people's. I want it written out. I want. I don't want there to be any confusion with somebody reading it because for me, sometimes my eyes have played tricks on me, mm-hmm. and I've used a tablespoon instead of a teaspoon because it was abbreviated. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um. So there are changes. There are typos where I didn't even realize there were typos. 
There are typos on things that I've gone over. Two of my friends who have revised and edited the book have Mm -hmm. gone over. (laughs) It's shocking how many people look at a book and there's still typos. Mm -hmm. But isn't that what like the second and third edition are for? Probably. And it doesn't matter like as even like my friend Vinny who has Fitness Confidential – who's my co-host on the podcast, he still gets people emailing him like, there's a typo on page 65. And it's like, I know, I'm sorry. Like, what? (sighs) As you can tell, I'm over it right now. What if you just accepted that there's just going to be typos and that's what the next edition is for? Uh, Yeah. Well, you know, I just don't want any typos in the recipes because I want the recipes to work. But there have been times when I'm like, I've looked at this recipe 16 times and I've made it five or six times and I'll look and I'll, it'll still say one butter instead of one cup of butter. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, one butter? What? Why, why? How did I miss the word cup? And then, you know what I mean? And so it's just one of those things where you just, just keep going. Well, so that brings me back, you know, to this whole era of authenticity, right? And the way that you and Vinny run your show you just put it out there. So like, what if you were, and here I'm trying to fix it. And I realize this, this is just an idea, but what if you were to like in your, you know, I don't know what it's called, the introductory or whatever you wrote, like, Hey, look, I really want these. And we worked really hard to get these things precise because the recipes are really important. I want them to turn out really well for you. If you notice something, send an email to such and such so that for the next edition, we can revise that. That's a good idea. Yeah. And you know what? Another thing that we had to put in—that's a really good idea. Another thing we had to put in that I, I never thought about was um, the publishers making me put in a like a medical warning. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "But it's just dinner." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were like, "No, you have to put it in there because like if some people like eat the food and then they get sick." And I was like, "What?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, I thought that was strange. Like we just have to always CYA. We have to see why. Yep. And I'm going, I'm thinking to myself, well, if somebody like, for instance, I'm allergic to macadamia nuts, they give me an anaphylactic response. Mm-hmm. So if I don't ask before I order anything, then that's on me. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you buy a cookbook and then like make something that would make you say, I don't know. But so, maybe, maybe America's a Sue happy thing. I don't know. Well, I, I, I was surprised at that and go, oh yeah, I guess you got to do that. So I have this new tool that I use with my clients and it's called the Anna filter or the Corinne filter, right? So like when you are reading a recipe and you notice that there's macadamia nuts and you're allergic to it and it goes through the Anna filter, what do you do? What, you're asking me what yeah, I do? Yeah. I think, can, can I, if I like this recipe, what nut do I think is good that I can sub? Bingo. Will it work with pistachios? That's yes. what I think. So it has to go through the Anna filter, right? right? That's the other thing is for all of us to take personal responsibility instead of like blaming somebody else and being in victimhood or emotional childhood, right? right? That you, you know, you made me do this. Well, here's the recipe. It needs to go through our own filters to make sure like, okay, is this in line with what my body can eat? Is this in line with my values? What do I think about this? Just because somebody else gives it to us doesn't mean that that's the only way. I mean, that's a very fixed mindset. Right. And, and, and I, and with, totally. with cooking, 
mean, of course, me. I'm like, oh, no, I cannot deviate one bit from the recipe because. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. It scares people. And I do try to reinforce the message that and I say this on my blog all the time. Like, if you don't have salmon, try it with chicken. Mm -hmm. See what happens. Like, Mm -hmm. who cares? Mm -hmm. It'll be fine. But, but when people are scared sometimes, they, pe- you know, people are it. scared, you know, we, we are really rooted in a scarcity culture, right? So, and then even if you're an intelligent person, you can be like, well, I'm intelligent. I should, I should know this, that, which is such a toxic belief to have versus like, okay, let me take it through the Karen filter. Here's right. what, here's what Anna say in this book. Let me take it through my filter and what's in my refrigerator. Right. <laughs> I like those websites where you can like plug in the ingredients you have on hand, like I've got lemon, chicken, thyme, and blueberries or whatever, and they'll give you some recipe and you can decide, oh, we we come up with that. What websites are those? I don't know the names of them. Can you email them to me and then I'll put in the show notes? Yeah, I think, but also too, you can do that with Google and recipes will come (laughs) up. I'm serious. Like you could be like, oh, I have have pork and um, coriander. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and and uh, usually something will come up. Well, you know what? Since we're going to be talking about overwhelm and persevering, here's the deal. We're not going to put it in the show notes because we can go to Google. We'll this is let, true. We'll let the listeners go through their own filters and Google's filters and come up because that's what I do. Like, okay, here's the recipe I want. Yeah. Here, And you're right. We can just say, here are the ingredients. What can I make with this? And let right. Google give you the answer. Right. And what I'm hoping is for Eat Happy to provide everybody with some really simple easy dinner recipes, some breakfast, some sweets, but mostly it's centered around making dinner for the family or yourself. And how long? Um, Say that. that. Say what? And how long does it take to make these dinner recipes in your cookbook? It it depends because some of them are like slow cooker recipes, so it doesn't take but 15 minutes to prep everything, but then the whole thing takes eight hours. You got to do it in advance. Mm -hmm. But then other things... You know, take 30, 40 minutes, which which is not 30 to 40 minutes of active time. It's maybe like 15 minutes of active time, but, you know, to bake something in the oven. Uh, listen, no, I don't like anything super complicated. Probably the most complicated thing in there is the chicken tikka masala. <laughs> that's complicated to say. It is complicated <laughs> to say, but it's not. I mean, the, and the only reason that's complicated is because, or maybe the shepherd's pie, because you just have to do the vegetables in one thing, the meat in one thing, and the mash in another thing, and then you put them all together. So it becomes, it uses a lot of dishes as you're going through. But mm-hmm. most most things are not like, I who I'm not making like gourmet meals for a family that doesn't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like my daughter won't even eat it. My husband will. He'll eat anything. Bless his soul. Um, but you know, it's it's got to be easy, or else you're not going to make dinner because you're tired. Everyone's tired. Mm-hmm. And I just came, we just remodeled our kitchen. And so I came off a month of eating at restaurants straight for mm. an, for a whole month. And I was just like, I can't, I ha- things have to be easy to get me into the kitchen. But it did become like, well, I can just go to that restaurant. I've been going there for a month. Mm-hmm. And by the way, yes, I kept, I stuck to no sugars, no grains during that month. But when I started cooking at home again, I started dropping weight. So it makes you wonder, like, all what do they add in in restaurant food that you don't know about? That is really interesting. Now, did you gain weight eating in the restaurants? 
Um, no, I pretty much stay, I pretty much plateaued the same, but then like the weight loss started kicking back in when I started going back to like my homemade, my recipes. Like last night, for example, I made, I'd spiralized zucchini. I made a homemade marinara and I had some ground chicken, ground thigh meat chicken. Mm-hmm. And so I made some uh, meatballs with almond meal and like some dried oregano and basil and garlic salt and onion salt. That's what I had on hand. So that's what I made. So I just roasted the meatballs in the oven. Very simple. Sauteed the zucchini noodles and made my marinara and uh, with a lot of basil and a lot of garlic. And uh, that was the meal. So like if you're eating that at a restaurant, first of all, it's really hard to find zucchini noodles at a restaurant. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yes. But uh, if you're eating that at a restaurant, I don't know if it's like they load it up with canola oil and that's what's bad. I hear that's bad for Mm -hmm. you. If they're loading it up with uh, hidden – I don't have dairy. And so I try to make sure when I'm at at restaurants and stuff, I try to make sure there's no dairy. But I know I can taste it. Like when you get vegetables, I'm like, oh, they cook these in butter. You know what I mean? Mm. So I have a tendency to get very inflamed and have a hormonal reaction when I have dairy. So that's kind of like – tamping down mm-hmm. so, something to think about you know well definitely i mean I th- food at home a lot of restaurants use what soybean oil because it's cheap soybean right? oil yeah soybean canola cottonseed sunflower safflower safflower it's all what the italians call lampante which is lamp oil which by the way i heard that crisco was originally literally for lamp oil and then we created electricity so who's gonna buy lamp oil anymore Let's turn it into, and it was like a, a large substitute from the whale fat, you know? Mm-hmm. And so the, they said, well, let's turn it into a food product. And that was the, the birth of Crisco as we know it as a partially hydrogenated, hydrogenated, however you say that word, trans fat. Interesting. Well, Interesting. we can't burn it, so let's feed it to the American people. <laughs> I'm like, what? Don't ever <laughs> eat an oil that is used for lamp oil. <laughs> that just should be a rule. We can't use it to light our houses, so let's put it in our in our, in our bodies let's at our homes. Let's it for salad dressing. No. <laughs> That's so interesting. Um, so going back to the, the – I want to go back to butter. So butter, are you that yeah, sensitive sure. where the dairy and the butter is a problem for you? Yeah, I did that blood test. Mm-hmm. A while back, and uh, the the thing it, it, it tests you on like six or seven different elements of dairy, like casein, casomorphin, lactose. Uh, crap, what's the other stuff? Whey, the proteins and the sugars, and then uh, um, milk fat, which is milk butyrophilin, uh, which is what's left in butter and even ghee. Um, that's what I tested the worst on. Mm-hmm. So I avoid it. Even, so, even ghee. Even ghee. This is I, – have I not ranted about this? This is the biggest misconception in the paleo world when they say, well, ghee's okay. And I'm like, if, if, if you are the type of person who reacts to dairy or if you have any sort of autoimmune issue, the ghee still has the bad stuff in it. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. Oh, wow. But – not everybody reacts to it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So maybe people are cutting it out who don't need to cut it out. So all I'm saying is you got to figure out what's what's right for you. Mm-hmm. You don't even necessarily have to do a blood test. You, you can test it out. You know, do the elimination thing and then add it back in. Yeah. 
But that is a that is a misconception that ghee is just totally fine to eat. And it's like, no, no, you have to see what works for your body. So, you know, as you we opened the show and we were talking about it, it's been a year since we first started oh. the, the series. And you said, well, did we have any things that we were, you know, shooting for? Well, let's see. Your book, right? And here we yeah. are. And then Still doing it. <laughs> and then the follow-up with what's going on with you and and food and stuff. And I think these are great you know, circle back moments that we're having about follow-ups, right? And I know, it's crazy. How is your show going? My show is going great. Good. My show is going great. So, yeah, life is good. It's busy. <laughs> it's very busy, but yeah. it's good. How's your teenage daughter? Um, My teenage daughter will soon have her driver's license. <gasps> yeah, baby. What, now, what about your daughter? Because they're she, about the she has a license, but mm. she does not have a car, so she's got to share with us. Oh, and how's that working? Uh, she's a very good driver. Uh huh. She's a very good driver, but um, it's it it was just it's a big rite of passage. Hmm. We're looking at colleges now. Ooh, is mm-hmm. she she's a sophomore, right? Or junior? she's a junior? She's a junior. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does she want to go far away? Mm-hmm. She wants to go to New York, <laughs> the most expensive city in the union. What <laughs> school does, does she want to go to NYU? Uh, she's applying to NYU. She's applying to the art schools in New York. Wow. She wants to be an artist. So, Well, that kind of makes sense in her family. Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> it sure does. We're not, we're not, nobody is surprised. <laughs> Nobody's going, What? You're not going to be a lawyer? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's very exciting and stressful yeah. and can yeah. lead to even more overwhelm. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> and requires a tremendous amount of perseverance. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Overwhelm and yeah. perseverance. Yeah, baby. What? Is it, is I feel it, like this is resonating with you. Yeah. No, because I was just thinking that. This idea of um, what makes people quit is the overwhelm, right? There's just so much overwhelm going on. It's like, I can't do it all. And so it's one of the easy things to do in a way is to quit. Yeah. Gosh, it's such an interesting thing because you don't know. It's hard to know if it's the right thing to do to quit and leave some, you know, Mm -hmm. cut the, cut the, trim the fat Mm -hmm. as it were. Or if it's just you're overwhelmed because a certain amount of beliefs keep popping up to let you know that there's things you need to work through Mm -hmm. to get to the next level of understanding. So how do you decide? For me lately, I've been finding there's a lot of value in figuring out why I'm wrenching up. Like what belief is this thing that's making me wrench up? Mm -hmm. What belief is popping up? Mm Mm-hmm. And then that'll let you know if like it's time to let this thing go. Because trust me, I've wanted to quit this cookbook like it, no fewer than 795 times. Mm-hmm. But what kept because you going? I just had to get it done. It was too big of a project. And at a certain point, it had too much momentum behind it for me to just ax it, you know? Mm-hmm. And what kept me going, honestly, were listeners tweeting at me and... Facebooking me and emailing me saying like, I love this recipe. I love eating this way. It really helps me. And uh, I can't wait for your cookbook. Because mm-hmm. that gets me on a 
I'm very, I'm really great with peer pressure. Like if, <laughs> like if society expects me to do something or someone's w- counting on me to do something, I will do it mm-hmm. because we don't want to let anybody down. <laughs> but is but it- then sometimes it's a good motivator, you know what I mean? Like, cause or else I probably would just like sit around and watch Real Housewives marathons. Mm-hmm. Well, and isn't it a two-part, right? Because one is that you are compelled inside to put this cookbook together. So there's that passion piece. But then there's the hard aspects of doing a book. And then the nice part of people tweeting you or listeners or, you know, your fans following you and saying, hey, when's this cookbook? We've been waiting for a while now. Right? It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. I mean, I think we first started talking about your cookbook but before you were a co-host on my show. Yeah. So but it's that that gives you that support of like, okay, there it's, it's not just what I want to do, but there's people that want this. And so that can help. It's like, while they may be putting that peer pressure, aren't they also like on your support team of, yeah, no, I'm, and I mean the peer pressure in a, in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, although I did bark at one listener who is, you know, I'm friendly with him online. He's a very nice guy, but I barked at him because he made a joke about how the, the cookbook was not yet. So I must be a slacker. Mm-hmm. And the, for whatever reason that hit, that pressed all the buttons. And I was like, I am not a slacker. I take offense to that, <laughs> which I never do. I never bitch people out on. It's not a thing that I do, but I, for some reason, he just hit me at that, at that time where I was like, screw you guys. Well, you live, you learn. <laughs> well, you probably weren't in a good place that that day either, right? No, it was probably a, a, a big overwhelmed day. So what do you do when you're overwhelmed? Besides say, screw you guys. <sighs> um, honestly, I guess what I should be doing is like, saying I'll stop everything and meditate or like go for a walk or a run or uh, take a bath, but I don't. I probably just prioritize my to-do list on what needs to get done and just start cranking it out. Mm-hmm. That's really what I do. Mm-hmm. And, um, how, and how does that work for you? I'm not the best at like putting exercise and meditation first. But what I'll do, I get things done, but... um. I mean, I will do silly things like uh, if I just sit and get done these scripts for this client, this phone on hold stuff, I will go and I'll do 30, you know, three sets of 10 push ups or something like that. So I do try to fit in little rewards. Mm hmm. <laughs> so wait, wait, wait. You're saying that three sets of 10 push up is a reward? Yes, because I'm actually <laughs> moving my body. Because I can sit at a desk and not do anything and just hunch over and like, I'm starting, I'm to, starting get to get that like, that like dowager hump thing on my neck where it's like, I could just sit there in front of a computer and just like mold into like this job of the hut dowager hump. I'm like faking typing on my keyboard. And I can just, <laughs> I can just molt into this creature so easily. So have you always been this way where exercise was a reward? No. <laughs> I didn't think so. So Vinny's changing you, huh? No, it's not. It's not that. It's that <laughs> I will use exercise as a procrastination tool. <laughs> like, like, I hate to exercise, but I would rather exercise than do the difficult work of editing a cookbook because it stresses me out. 
I'll plan like, yeah, 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 let's go on a hike. Friends, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we should do that hike. That's important. Physical exercise is so important. It's like, is it? Well, I mean, you can do the physical exercise at home. You can actually get your big projects done faster if you wouldn't do that stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, I do. But I love how that that is now, you know, one of the things that can get in the way. <laughs> I My friend Jeannie, who's this most amazing artist, I love her work so much. Her site is JeannieHayden.com. Um, she's also a book illustrator. She uh, co-wrote a book called Be Prepared with her husband, Gary Greenberg, who's one of the writers over at Kimmel. They wrote this book years ago when they had their daughter, Maddie. And it's the book I always give to every couple. It's a father, a new father's guide to parenthood. And uh, she did all the illustration. It sold over like half a million copies. It's wow. incredible. Um, but so Jeannie is this incredible artist. And it's, you know, our daughters are the same age. And she only really got back into her painting for herself in the past few years since the girls became teenagers. And she's the one who taught me art before dishes, which Ooh. is, you, yeah, art before dishes. Because that's when you, you know something's wrong when you're like, I am going to clean my entire house spick and span. Usually that means that you're avoiding doing something important. Ooh, yes. That's difficult. That's difficult. She taught me that. She said, so you have to use the dishes and cleaning the kitchen as a reward for getting the difficult creative stuff done. I'm writing. That's good. Art, art before dishes. Jeannie Hayden. And so I, um, <clears throat> one of the things that I have to remind myself that is a very important mantra in the morning is create before consume right? Because it's so easy to go into the emails or go into social media and I'm not doing my work. So it's about, for me, it's create before I consume, create before I consume. Do How my do work you first. do that? I, I hear all these people like Tim Ferriss and all the people who talk in Seth Godin and all to, and Merlin Mann all talk about inbox zero and stuff. But then they also talk about like, they just don't, do you wake up and you don't pick up your phone and check email like within the first hour of being awake? Okay, so I don't have inbox zero, and there are listeners out here that know that because I'll read it and um, I always read them. I just don't always respond because I have this sure. bad habit that one, it takes a while, I've got to let it percolate. And then I have this idea that I've written it in my head, and so therefore it's happened, right? So that's one thing. So oh, I don't have that's happened to me with you when I thought I've written you like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do that. And then I look and I'm like, oh crap, I never actually wrote that. <laughs> Probably because I'm checking my email at six in the morning when I'm kind of waking up. Yeah. So I don't. So I've been, I've been much more, um, I've really been more deliberate about practicing in February. That was kind of my commitment was to practice. I think two or three days I didn't. And Monday through Friday, you know, my days are pretty boom, boom, boom. So I can't just kind of lounge on my phone. But Saturdays, sometimes I would find like all of a sudden be lost in this internet world. And then I get really cranky and frustrated because I lost a few hours of the day very mindlessly. And I just didn't like that. So in February, I just made a commitment, no phone, even though, you know, I break the rules because the phone is next to my bed at night, right? So it's right there. And I have that, I want to grab it. And there's nothing important at 4.30 or 5.30 in the morning when I'm waking up that I need to go to my phone that can't be handled at later in the day, 7.30. So right. for me, you know, it's getting up, moving, do my exercise or, 
you know, there'll be times that I'll come in and do a, a mini sewed episode by myself and I'll do that. I'd like to do that when it's still dark out for whatever reason. That's cool. Right. Or if I write, I like to do it at that time. So for me, it's about, okay, create at that place and then oh, consume. Good. Cause then I'm, cause I'm with me while I'm sleeping. Right. So it's all my stuff and then I can consume at some point. So it's, it's not that I'm perfect, but it's definitely a commitment because, um, I would just notice I just didn't feel good when I would, you know, the other way. So mm-hmm. I, I have to talk to myself every morning. Okay, Corinne, it's, you know, the phone, it's okay. There are no emergencies. The phone is okay. Keep it down. And, um, and, and, you know, when I take it to, when I take my phone to the gym, it's really easy to just jump on and look. Right. Right. But, oh, and that's the worst when you're on like the elliptical and you're like, you see an email that makes you have that sparked reaction, like, oh God, I got to reply to that. And you're on the elliptical trying to send an email. Yeah. It's just, it's like a comedy comedy show. And the other thing I I think a long time ago that I just kind of made a decision is I don't do email on my phone. I may look at it, but I, I hate typing on the phone to begin with. And um, so I just, unless it's a really big, like there is, you know, something that I need to get done. But I just keep, I mark it, I might read it, but then I'm remark it as unread. That way, when I'm sitting back at my computer, I can pound those out. That's mm. just, those are, those are like my simple That's strategies. That's a good idea. I should do that. Yeah. Cause stuff, I did go through recently and I'm trying to unsubscribe to pretty much everything I've subscribed to. Like, mm-hmm. all, and, and there's some cool sites. Like, I don't, I just can't, I know Unroll Me is great for, uh, I did that on one of my other, email accounts, but I just, I need to keep like my main email account clear. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it almost pained me because I would keep newsletters from people I really like and want to hear from backlogged in my email. And I just would never get around to reading them mm-hmm. or click. I, oh, I really want to click through and watch this video. And I just never did. So I finally just had to do the triage thing and delete mm-hmm. and then unsubscribe to a bunch of lists. Mm-hmm. And then there's still a few people whose lists I'm afraid to unsubscribe to because I know them personally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I just I do need to clear it out though. Well, the other side is that they're paying for you to be on their list too, right? So you can say I love you, and I'm saving you money. That's true. <laughs> That's true. It's funny how quickly it jumps up too when you just 500 more people. That's an extra five bucks a month every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, you know, you're glad to pay for it when you have interested people on your list. But if they're not, you're right. Go, go away. You save me money. Yeah. That's a really good point. Oh, I something I haven't mentioned, we haven't talked about, is I've been doing stand-up. I've been, yeah, tell me about that because I've been seeing that. Um, well, I took a class, which is one of the best classes in LA and very difficult to get into. It's this guy named Jerry Katzman. Katzman. And... um it kind of cut down on the learning curve, but what it did was, because I always said for years, I want to do stand-up. I want to do stand-up, but I would never, again, art before dishes, I would clean the house 16,000 times before I would sit down and write an observation and a joke. Mm-hmm. So like, it made me have that focused time. And then we basically did a show at the end. And then from that, I've just been booking a bunch of shows and now I'm doing more writing in the context of doing a, another a uh, round of classes, which is really great. It's a, it's like a, a writer's group more than a class, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, it's great. I'm doing the comedy store again, uh, a week from today. today. I have a bunch of stuff on the books and another, oh, this will be interesting. I'm doing a 420 friendly show down in uh, <laughs> downtown LA, which is cause I don't, I'm not a four. It's not like I'm not 420 friendly. I just never do that. Well, so wait, and, wait, wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. 
for those of us that don't understand this language, what's a 420 show? 420 show is, well, 420 is uh, the the witching hour, I guess, when you smoke weed. If you're a weed smoker, I guess that's the time in your day where you can start to smoke weed and unwind. Um, I don't smoke weed. So uh, I think it's funny that it's a 420 friendly show, which I guess that means that people bring joints and smoke them in the show. I don't know. Like, I didn't even know what that meant. I was like, okay, well, my material is about being a mom of a teenager and being married for 17 years. So we'll see how that one goes. But um, uh, yeah, it's been a really good self-exploration too because you you dive into the topics about yourself and probably your funniest thing might be the thing that you're most ashamed to admit you know or the thing that you're most embarrassed about or the thing that you wish you could change about yourself uh-huh there's generally very good comedy and all of that so what's your funniest thing oh well it's still unfolding but usually it centers around, around uh shame surrounding getting older how things haven't turned out the way you thought they would, you know? Mm-hmm. Seems to be a pretty rich topic. And, I, and I'm always cracking up too when the 30-year-olds are saying, oh, things didn't turn out the way I planned. I'm like, oh, you just wait. <laughs> you just wait. You're a baby. You've got plenty of time, honey. Well, with things not turning out the way you planned. Yeah, that's just how it is. That's how life is. But is it is that bad? Um, no, but it's funny. It's mm-hmm. funny how we're set in our intentions of like, when I grow up, this is how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And it it doesn't look like that. It doesn't feel like that. How it's does it- just not like, it's funny. It's really cute how we try to plan things. Uh-huh. Because it just doesn't. Yeah. Then you wind up co-hosting a, a podcast with Vinnie Tortorich. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Riddle me this. <laughs> oh, goodness, goodness. Yeah, who would have thought that? <laughs> right? Didn't see that one coming. But you know what? If I hadn't a co-host, I had, I had been asking for more health and wellness in my own life and wondering why I didn't feel so good, mm-hmm. wondering why I'd been putting on weight, mm-hmm. wondering why you know things just weren't right. And then Vinny comes into my life and not only do we go on this, forge this new path together, write a cookbook, but then I also find the health and wellness that I had been asking for. Mm-hmm. So that's a fun package to have that delivered in. Well, but that's exactly, um, I'm going to be doing an interview later with a laws of attraction person. We're going to talk about inspired action, right? And- I love it. And what you're talking about is like, you were like, hey, I want more health and wellness in my life. I want more. Who would have thought it would be, you know, Vinnie Tortorich, who can be very crass, right? But we both mm-hmm. love him. And 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 then what, what your journey and you'd be writing this cookbook because you're, you're an actor. Yeah. <laughs> writing a cookbook, right? Or yeah. doing this NSNG. It feels, it's weird. Yeah. It's like, I, mean, I didn't think this. I thought I would be like doing serious movies mm-hmm. <laughs> and here I'm doing stand-up and doing podcasts. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. I love it. But it's like, it just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I, I love, I love that you're going to talk about inspired action. I'm going to have to listen to that episode because I, 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 I love this concept of inspired action. And it's funny because for me personally, I rarely feel that juice and then that inspired action. It's usually like, I just kind of start to do an action and then it starts to feel inspired. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I mean? So I love, I would love to hear more on that. Or like, for instance, with Vinny, he sent me his book and I was like, this book is so great. Then I was like, yeah, I'll do a podcast. Not even knowing what I was getting myself into. <laughs> Work, workload wise and like the, the good and the bad. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? There's, there was a lot of good and a lot of bad and a lot of learning that came out of it. Mm-hmm. But I was like, yeah, sure. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> and then like every three months I'd be like, Vinny, we have to quit. <laughs> I think that's my thing. I always threaten to quit and then I never do. I'm always like, you know what? We shouldn't do this anymore. Oh, just kidding. Let's keep going. <laughs> well, you never tell me you're going to quit with me. No. That's a no, good thing. No, we figure it out. We figure it out. Will you make it easier? Vinny doesn't always make it easy. <laughs> Let's put it that way. No, he has. He has. We, we changed the formatting to make it a little bit easier. Plus, I was producing every... We were doing three shows a week and I was producing and putting up everything... You know what I mean? At the beginning, mm-hmm. I, I did all of the work because he didn't know how to do any of it. Mm-hmm. Um, now he does. He's hired other people. I don't produce hardly at all. And I'm only on one episode a week with him. So mm-hmm. we found a really good solution that makes everybody happy. Mm-hmm. So I want to circle back to this this whole thing about like we have these dreams, right? When we're young, of this is the story of what it's going to be. And again, going back to like persevering. And then, you know, sometimes... it's Joseph Campbell and I'm going to mingle it, but it's kind of like letting go of the dream that you had for Mm -hmm. the journey that's in front of you or something like that. Ooh, that's so good. Right. And, and, uh, and, and sometimes I think some of the stories that I had when I was my 20 year old self of what I thought it was going to be like as my 43 year old self, there's no way I would want, I want that in my life. Right. When I was 20 something, I didn't really know who I was and what that would entail. And now I look at my life and I, and I do believe I'm living my dream. And there are days, Anna, I say this all the time. I'm living my dream and there are days that sometimes I'm living somebody else's dream. Sure. <laughs> right? Because, that makes sense. Because on the outside, it looks like, oh my gosh, you've got this amazing life. And I do have this amazing life. And some days I'm just tired or overwhelmed or going, you like the story of my life. <laughs> you may not like all the crud of the life that comes with it because in anything it doesn't matter what we do and you can tell me where i'm wrong but in any sector of our oh, life i'd love to tell you where you're wrong no, i'm just kidding <laughs> in any sector of our life there's like the glamorous fun cool stuff and then there's the crap that follows it right yeah. and it's it's like you know it's part it's part of real life i guess it's like la itself like <laughs> L.A., when I was little, and I would watch usually game shows when I was really little, like I thought The Price is Right was the most glamorous thing. And I so I saw at the end, they, they've changed, they've since changed it, but at the end it says for tickets, and they, they gave an address like in Burbank. And I remember turning to my grandmother and being like, one day I'm going to live in Burbank. Because that's where I thought The Price is Right was. So it turns out they actually shoot it in Hollywood. But, um, <laughs> so... Cut to however many years later, 35 years later, I am living, I live less than a mile from Burbank. <laughs> um, go to Burbank quite often because that's where all the stores are that I need to go to, like Costco. Um, and I just find that LA is like, is like, it's mostly crap, some beautiful things, and every now and then some glamour. And yes, there are a lot of people with a, who are making a lot of money in this business, but for the most part, it's working people. Mm-hmm. 
like myself who were just, you know, making it work and ma- lucky to make a living being able to work in the entertainment industry. And uh, I, I don't know. It's like, it seems like it's shiny. Hollywood lets, th- like, gives everybody the image that it's the day of the Oscars, 365 days of the year. Mm-hmm. And it's not. <laughs> It's, you know what I mean? It's when you go to pretty much every office building is not that nice. So like when, especially casting offices, they're really grubby because what happens is like when they're going to cast a TV show, let's say they give them a place on the lot and it's, uh, let's say it's at, uh, CBS Radford, for instance, which is a nice lot here in studio city. And, um, they'll give you like a temporary trailer because the TV show might only be shooting 13 episodes. So they're not going to like get a permanent office building and make it super nice. Mm-hmm. So you walk in and you're like, oh, this, is, this is where they cast, you know, Breaking Bad. <laughs> you're like, this is a dump. I'm, I just am giving that as an example of the show. I actually never auditioned for Breaking Bad. So I don't know what their casting office looked like. But for the most part, casting offices aren't that great. Commercial casting offices will be a little nicer because those are corporate jobs and they pay a little more. But for the most part, the agencies are really nice, glammy, glam offices. And some of the production companies are really nice, glammy, glam offices. And then like the heads of the studios and networks have really nice, glammy, glam offices. And everybody else is just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Slogging like a, along. Like a construction zone. The like trailers. a construction zone. They're trailers. They are literally trailers. Mm-hmm. You know, as you're talking about this, I think it's the audience, our listeners may have a better understanding now because of Facebook, right? There's, Mm -hmm. here's the image I'm putting up of my life and you're not seeing the mess behind it. Hollywood's been doing that for decades, right? Yeah, they're, they're good at it. They're really good at that. And the reality of, again, going back to what we're originally talking about with this, the life that we had dreamed versus the life we have now, you know, and and when we dream of this life, we don't dream of like when we think about what we're going to make for dinner, we think about what's the the lovely food and how it's going to taste, not the pots and pans along the way that yeah. have to be cleaned up afterwards, right? Yeah, and and yeah. so we forget about incorporating the whole story in there, and you know, and sometimes we just don't know what the whole story will be. You know, when you're young, you may not know what the whole Hollywood story is because you just see it through NBC eyes. I mean, I said this. When I went to the Olympics in 2012, you know, and there was all this hoopla and people were so excited about going to the Olympics and I get in and go through security and climb up the, you know, I don't know, many multiple levels of stairs so that I'm up at the top. I sit down and after the first event, I'm like, oh, this is just another swim meet, right? I mean, that's what it came yep. down to. It's another <laughs> swim meet, you know, and um, and, and the, the feel, and I always try to explain this to people, is that, you know, when you get into finals or semifinals at night, it's very similar to like if you're at a high school championship and there's a team vying for something, or if you're at a collegiate NC2As or a college championship, college conference championship, mm-hmm. it's that same feel. The energy is the same. Right. It's just you have NBC pointing their cameras, you know, at specific people in, in the water, right? And then they're creating a story for the people back home. Right. That's it, true. That's their job. And that's their job. And they're good. engaged. And that, that makes sense. And it's, wow, isn't it fascinating? And we're all drawn into stories. We all want to hear the stories. But yeah, real life doesn't necessarily have the same character arc mm-hmm. as the story that you see on well, TV. That was when, when I was younger and I would watch biographies. I may have even told the story on here. I remember watching a biography on 
it was either biography or E! True Hollywood story on Dennis Franz. And it was talking about how he went, every biography goes like this. For example, Dennis Franz. He went from doing tiny bit parts in off, off, off Broadway plays to getting a major role in a Brian De Palma film. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but no, because nobody does that. You know what I mean? There's this really interesting part that's not interesting to storytellers. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Of that time in between those two, that's where he was probably failing the most. You know what I mean? Where they think it's not interesting because he didn't do anything. But to me, I'm like, no, what did he do? How, how did he mm-hmm. think uh, during all that time to get rejected so he could stick around long enough to get that Brian De Palma film? Mm-hmm. And then become, then launch into, that's his break to become the Dennis Franz that we know him as today. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the fascinating, I mean, that's what I've been trying to do on the show for, you know, the last nine and a half years is, you know, what really goes on behind that story of success and, and you talked a lot about beliefs. So what are the stories that we're choosing to believe about ourselves and the circumstances? And that's mm-hmm. what becomes so interesting. Like when we talk about, you know, okay, we're overwhelmed and everybody here, you know, that's listening can relate to being overwhelmed in some arena of their life, right? At certain points in, you know, throughout a day even. And then, but what allows you to persevere? And that's what I become, I becomes fascinating because what is the story you're making up about yourself? You know, and do you believe that, you know, do you have to have that belief of, okay, I can actually achieve it, right? Or, or, Or that even if I don't achieve that, it'll be this or something better. Yeah. Or not even attachment to any outcome. You just go, like, I kind of feel like with the cookbook, I'm overwhelmed with the amount of work and all the things that the people are telling me that I need to do to market it. And I kind of go, okay, well, I'll get done. I'm doing this myself. So I'm going to get done what I can get done and put it out there and keep doing what I can do, but I can only do so much. And at a certain point, I have to kind of like pull myself out of the expectation of either it doing well or being well received or, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes things just aren't, I don't want, I don't, I'm not anticipating that to happen. I think I think it will definitely please my core audience, mm-hmm. which is really who I'm writing writing it for. Mm-hmm. But but there's a certain point where you almost have to pull out all expectation in order for that overwhelm not to kill you or prevent you from moving forward. You know, and I think because I love how you talk about that letting go of the outcome. Because when I'm thinking of like this or something better, you know, I'm thinking of like okay, you're going to deliver the book and you've got your core audience, and it's it's kind of like, um, but it doesn't mean. And I'm glad we can kind of rumble with this and 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 unpack it. It doesn't mean. Um, and I get, let's not because I can't think of an a, an idea for the book. But like you as an actor, right? You do acting. You do, and then this or something better. You do voiceover work, which you can do in your home, right? Mm-hmm. Or you can be in Hawaii and you get a gig, and next thing you mm-hmm. know, you're the voice of you know Thursday night ABC TV. I love hearing your voice. Every I'm like, oh my gosh, there's my friend. Yay! So. Or, and then now you're doing this comedy thing. I mean, who would have thought? And then you've got this podcast, which is this, <laughs> this other thing that's going to like, yeah. in this health and wellness, right? There's a lot of things in this health it and might wellness. Be too many things. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. It's a lot of things. <laughs> I know my girlfriend, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we went out to dinner and she started counting my stuff and she's like, you have like six things. And I'm like, no, no, no. You're kind of spreading them out a little too much. <laughs> 
these things are more a little bit more compact. They're more precise in there. I don't have I have three things, not six. She's like, I count six. I go, well, I don't. I count three. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. We do our math differently. Yeah. Um, but uh, the so you know this or something better. So you had thought, okay, I'd be in these films. But going back to that, are you unhappy with the life that you have today? No. No, I mean, there are definitely some unfulfilled desires that I still want to do. But no, I, films aren't, you know what I mean? I'm not like going, oh God, I was never a film actor. I don't care. I really don't care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I found my niche pretty early with comedy. Voiceover has a lot to do with that comedy, mm-hmm. um, oddly enough. Uh, especially, obviously, animation. But even commercials and promos have, at least what I do, because I'm the sassy voice of TGIT. <laughs> there you go. So it does require some comedic timing. However, um, I'm not trying to overinflate it. It's really just promos to, so people will watch TV shows. But um, yeah, no, I don't. I feel like everything's everything's turned out just fine. Although there are still some things that I want to do. But is Which it- I guess is good or else I'd be dead. Yeah. Um, one thing that Lance Crawl and I are going to do is we're doing the uh, podcast version of Free Radio, which was the series that we did a couple uh, a couple years ago. It's like six or seven years ago now, where it's a fictional radio station and the celebrities come on and play themselves. And so we're going to do an audio podcast version of the show. And um, so we're in talks with a couple of uh, with a production a, po- a big podcast place. <laughs> I don't know what they're called. Uh-huh. What's a podcast company called? I don't know. A, a network production company, a podcast network, net- podcast network. There yes, go. that would be a good, that's a good way to describe <laughs> it. Yes. Um, to do that. And so then I realized once that happens, we're going to be, that's going to be very time consuming, mm-hmm. but it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Yeah. And that, but that's like what I'm talking about, like this or something better. Right. Right. Where it, it you, when you're, you, you pursue, and I think that's the thing about having dreams is having the dream and believing in yourself and going out and taking the action and even having an inspired action. But then like, instead of being so rigid, because if we don't actually accomplish that and then we start to beat ourselves up, we're not even recognizing that we're probably further along than when we, when we first started dreaming, right? We, we're yeah. not where we once were. And if we hadn't dreamed. We're not we, the same we would, person. Yeah, we evolve. And how beautiful that you're like, but yeah, but there's still things that are unfulfilled. And same with me and, and realizing, okay, we're not too old to go into the next thing and maybe get more clarity, maybe narrow things down more and saying, this is what I want to pursue next in my next chapter. Yeah. Well, I got to say, going and doing stand-up because I've always wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting thing because it's mostly, it's a young folks game. Mm-hmm. I mean, by the time so, you're my age, you should be pretty established. So? So, doesn't I still go do it. But but why would you choose to believe that? Uh, I'm not believing it. But it was something that uh, I noticed, but then I had to go, oh, who cares? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that's, like Byron Katie will say, right, our minds create the prison walls of our lives. Yes. Right. And so, I mean, it's like, okay, so yeah, for a lot of people, they start out at this age. I didn't. This is where I am. This is what I want to go do. Go do it. I mean, is it harming anybody that you're doing it? No. You go do it. Now, I don't it's, think so. 
It's. I mean, it t- it takes time and energy. I don't think anybody's getting hurt. Maybe yeah. maybe my throwing my daughter under the bus a little bit. Yeah, but it takes time. She and- likes my joke. So although she goes, you make me sound really basic. <laughs> and I was like, I know you're not. But it, it takes time and energy, right? So there's those costs. But yeah, then, but yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is that you're willing to go and do that and pursue that. And again, who knows what's going to come out of that, right? And maybe, maybe what comes out of that is that you even become a better voiceover artist. I mean, sure, who knows yeah. what happens or you get, you unveil some stuff within you. I mean, if it's, it's like Betsy Rappaport, who's been on the show and um, she's a, uh, an editor for books and she used to work for the big publishing houses and stuff. And she was uh, Martha Beck. She's been Martha Beck's longtime editor. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. And she is, when she gives writing retreats, she, one of the things that she says, cause everybody's like, Oh, well, you know, who am I to write this? And you know, really, what do I have to say? And is there any value in all of this stuff, right? All these prison walls that we create in our lives. And she always asks them the question, how many people's lives need to change to make it worthwhile to write this book? What would you think the answer to that is? Whoa. Whoa. To write my book? Any, yeah, to write a book or, or to do stand-up. Like how many right. people's lives would really need, or to do a podcast. How many people's lives would really need to change to make it worthwhile? That's interesting. And her answer is one. And wouldn't Mine. That, yes, <laughs> your life. And wouldn't yeah. that be worth it? Yeah, that's great. And, so, and and usually just by changing your life, it affects other people. There's a ripple. In a good way, I'm saying. That, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, think about like with Vinny and his whole NSNG and deciding to write this book with Dean and, and then starting this podcast with you and how many people's lives that, you know, this crazy trainer has changed or influenced. Yeah. I know. Crazy. And I know that our Facebook group is like thousands of people now. Mm-hmm. And he what sold a hundred thousand copies or something of his book. I mean, yeah, yeah. Crazy, you know, it's, crazy. it's, it's in, you know, and here's something I heard Seth Godin say this recently and I was like, wow, you know, and he was talking about the, you know, uh, the cost of a book is so cheap. I mean, really, he's like, what, it's 15, $25, right? Yeah. So cheap. Mm-hmm. And it has the ability, the power to change somebody's life. I know. I love that. That's why I've always loved books mm-hmm. for that reason. Don't you wish that you could like have Seth Godin and Tim Ferriss for one day and just have them kind of like do an audit on everything that you're doing? What, you want to be more overwhelmed? <laughs> <laughs> I just, no, because then, then they have to implement whatever their findings are. Like I want to hear the Ferris godin audit of the Vicino life. And then give them my, their recommendation, give me their recommendations for implementation. Like I want them to understand and then give me recommendations. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't. I, I, and I'm so, sure I could have that for like a million dollars each. <laughs> so I contacted this business and I was going back and forth with them because I wanted to the service. And I said, and they're like, oh, yeah. And then you can, you know, move this over. And I'm like, well, no, no, no. I'm not a do it yourselfer. <laughs> I, I want this to be done for me. So, because there's three tiers of this. So there's the do it yourself, right? There's the do it for me and there's the do it with me, right? So like in my business, the life coaching or the swim coaching I do, I'm a do it with you, right? People work with me because 
maybe they take those books or whatever and they never carve out that time to do the work and the practice. And so by working with me, we get it done, right? Same thing with some practice. I mean, you know, my daughter was saying, um, I was going to go work out. She's like, oh my gosh, I, I, I just don't know if I'm ever going to be able to, I don't know what's going to happen when I'm an adult because I, I'm not going to be able to get myself. And my daughter is a very disciplined athlete. She goes to practice. She likes to be there early. You know, she never misses and it's all self-driven. Wow. She just, she goes and she loves it. And she just looked at me and I, and I go, well, I get that. Cause when I was your age, when I was 15, I can imagine going and working out myself. Like what, really, why would I do that? This is my time off. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it's taken a lot of work for me to do it myself and even with that, there are th- people that I want to partner with because I don't want to go it always alone. Yeah. Right. And so when you're talking sure. about that, yeah, it's great to have those brainchilds. I mean, of Tim or of Seth, but oh my gosh, for me, <laughs> I, I still stick by it that I want the Godin Ferris audit. There you go. You can have that. Okay. <laughs> I'm just not going. It'll to. never happen. <laughs> but. I'm just putting it out there to the, you know, if you can be, do, or have anything you want, I might create somehow create the Godin Ferris audit. Did I lose you? No, I'm here. I, I just oh. be, do, or have anything you want. I love that. <laughs> it's funny. Maybe dream a little bigger than that, Anna. No, no. <laughs> the Godin Ferris audit. There you go. That's a great audit. You can even ask yourself. So like, what would Godin tell me? What would Ferris tell me about this? I mean, you know, that's the other side for your marketing of your book. What would Ferris tell you about it? Yeah. What would be the three things? He probably already has. I'm sure he has a blog post about it. Yeah. He's very helpful. He's so helpful. What a helpful young man. What are the three things, right, for you need to do? What are the three focus points for marketing your book? You want me to answer that? Sure. I don't know. Market it, sell it, and sell it by marketing it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's one thing I am going to do that's crazy that um, people say is crazy, but I don't care. I'm doing an audiobook version. And there are, there I think, are only two other audiobook versions of cookbooks. Uh-huh. But the reason why I'm doing it is because I'm telling a story, but that I don't have room to put in the book itself. Uh-huh. So it's like you're getting added, added stuff. Uh-huh. You're getting bonus material, bonus content material, because I'm able to tell more information and also more tips like that I wasn't able to include physically in the space of the cookbook. Like here's how, here's the best place to find that spot in the asparagus where you snap it so that you don't get the fibrous parts and you just get the tender parts. Mm -hmm. Like I can talk about how to do that. Well, which is perfect because talking is within your wheelhouse. I love talking. I know. So do I. And I love writing. (laughs) <laughs> I know. So do I. <laughs> um, so here's the thing. The reason, like, I, and I've always gone back and forth about audiobooks. The reason mm-hmm. I bought Vinny's audiobook was that very reason. There was more yeah. stuff in the audiobook. And I will not buy an abridged audiobook. I hate abridged audiobooks. Yes. Being an Audible member myself, if it's only the abridged version, I'm like, no. Especially of like classic self-help. Mm-hmm books that mm-hmm. I like to listen to those, like a Dale Carnegie thing or a, uh, what's his name, Zig Ziglar or Napoleon Hill. I like buying those on audiobook. I don't want the abridged version. I want to hear the whole thing, what the author intended. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think that's, I think that's a fantastic idea. And are they still going to get like a PDF of the recipes and the pictures? Yeah. I think that you still, still do that with an audiobook. Yeah. I think that'd that be would fabulous. be weird to be like, J- quick, write this down. <laughs> Do you need this, 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 and this? Yeah. No, I think I think that's a fantastic idea. 
Yeah, maybe they get the the ebook version with it or something. Yeah, I got to figure that out. Yeah, I mean, keep it simple. But the good thing is, is that I an audio book I know how to do. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do know how to that do those. I know how to do. <laughs> Whereas, like everybody, I, I'm in this group, this um, this Facebook group of people who are self publishing, and, and it's very help. But they don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. They know how to do the other stuff because they've done that before. And I'm like, well, how do you do so? There you go. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. All right, my dear. Well, we are done because um, we've run. We're running out of time. But so, with overwhelm and perseverance, it sounds like uh, one is unpacking. Like, what are the things? What are the stories that are creating the overwhelm? Right? Maybe prioritizing, mm-hmm. and then the perseverance of really thinking about: okay, is this something you want and want to pursue, and then right. and go for it? Because, like in your case in point, right? You had this dream of film. And then, but there was something else and something better. You know, you have yeah. this marriage that you love. You have this child. You have this work that you do. And it's crazy. It's all busy. Like you and I, we both are both really busy. Right. You know, and I look at my life. I mean, it's interesting because when my 20-year-old self really had a different dream, but when I really got down to what it was, I didn't want it. And then I remember thinking, well, I want to talk. <laughs> I want to run a swim team with my husband, you know, all this. And that's what I do, right? Yeah. I live my dream. It's like you with living in, you know, a mile from Burbank, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> And by the way, when I went to go do Young and the Restless, uh, I did a bunch of voices for them over the years, including the chipmunk voice. Uh, that's a whole other thing. But uh, it, Young and the Restless shoots across the hall from The Price is Right. So mm-hmm. I got to go, every time I would go, I would go talk to The Price is Right people and check it out and you know, it's a lot of lights and camera work. It doesn't look that crazy. Although I did go to the props department a couple of times and they always let me spin the wheel, you know, mm-hmm. the showcase showdown wheel. <laughs> so that made me happy, which was a very, it was a, it was a difficult wheel to turn. So now I'm not as judgy of the people when they're, they do like a week showcase showdown. <laughs> pull. I'm like, I, I don't judge them anymore. Like, you know, I get it. Awesome. I love that. Well, Anna, thank you so much. Thank you, doll. Always fun. All right, a quick wrap up here because we went way over, but it's so good to talk to her and we haven't talked spoken in quite a while because we're both really busy. Anyways, overwhelm and perseverance. One, I invite you, if you're feeling overwhelmed, write down, unpack all the stuff of what's going on. What's the stories in our head? I don't know about you, but I tend to make them way bigger than they are. And yes, there may be stressful things or big things, but I also know that I've got this. I can do it. And why not dial down all those fear voices, all those, you know, judging voices? I should have done it. The reality is I didn't do it. I'm here today. So what needs to be done? Then figure out what needs to be done. Write it all down. Write everything down that you think that needs to be done. And then from there, find three things that will make the biggest impact and get those done. And then you can look at the other stuff. Do they really need to get done? Or is that some voice in the back of your head? So that's how to deal with overwhelm. And then on perseverance, really thinking about like, why am I doing this? Is this something I want to do? And persevere. I mean, Anna's book is a prime example of that. This has been something she's been talking about for a couple of years now on this show and then on the Angriest Trainer podcast as well. And she has people that are wanting her book. I'm one of those people. And she's eventually getting it done and it's taking some time and some perseverance. And there are times that she wants to quit. There are times that I wanted to quit the show, but 
then I go back to what is my why? Like in the interview that I had done with Simon Sinek years ago, it was like knowing what your why is, is so important in persevering. And when we tell ourselves stories of I'm not good enough, or we start to compare with other people, that's what gets in the way of us persevering. So I really invite you to check in with yourself, go through your own filters. What is your why? What are you doing? Letting go of the outcomes and being in line with your why, and then working through it and letting go of the stories of other people comparison. That's such a waste of energy. All right. So if you want to connect with me, I invite you to sign up for my newsletter. It's a weekly newsletter. I send it out. People respond back. It's a great way to connect. And if you don't want to connect with me, then don't sign up with the newsletter. That's fine too. You don't need to clog your inbox, especially since we were talking about it. But it is a great way. And there's like, we have the podcast, which has our own little conversations, the emails, which is another conversation. So if that's something you want to be a part of, really invite you to join us there. Because sometimes there's stuff that I only send out to the newsletter that you wouldn't know elsewhere. So they're just different conversation areas, different arenas. And I want to do a shout out right now to Samantha L. Thomas, Aussie. Thank you so much for taking the time and energy and writing the iTunes review because that does help the show. It helps spread it. And it's just also really nice little feedback like uh, Anna and I were talking about. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And here's the thing. If you're going to do an iTunes review, take a snapshot of it and tweet it out to me so that I see it. I'd love to see a picture of it and see a picture of you and Twitter's a great place. So go ahead and do that. And until next time, I'm smiling big for you. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wide